am so glad you're here. Are you ready to go? I hope your hearts are just ready. One person's with me. That's okay. I am so, so glad. I just feel like there's something that God wants to do that's different this morning. We're starting a new series. It's a two-part series on Awestruck. And the reason we chose this really felt like God was leading us down this road is God is awesome. The Christmas story is wonderful. There is nothing like the Christmas story. And so our response to that is, God, we are in such awe, such awe of you. Agreed? Cool. Um, hey, I just wanted to let you know that uh, we have Christmas services. If you haven't been with us, we have four of them next Sunday. I'm so excited that Sunday, Christmas Eve, is we get to have church, you know, 9 and 11, and then we're adding two services, 1 and 3 p.m., just so that there's opportunity, you know, whatever you got going on with your families, whatever you might be doing, that you can just fit it right into your schedule. And most importantly, somebody in your life who maybe needs God, and maybe just needs, you know, those old-fashioned stereotypes that had those needles over when the, the volume was going up at the base of the treble. We just want to help the needle just, Holy Spirit, move that needle over a little bit more for somebody to come to know you. And so I'm just a big believer in invitation. You know, they say that um, one out of four people in your life will come to church with you because they trust you. They have relationship or friendship with you. And so I just, I just want to encourage you to pray about I'm sure you have been. We've been talking about this for weeks now. And we have these really nice invite cards. Sometimes, you know, there's great. You can like and share all this on social media, which is always helpful. But there is also something about personally, hey, I would love for you to come visit our church on Christmas Eve. Bring your family. We just love to have you as our guests. So I'm just going to. Oh, Whoa. Now, Brian, I have Pastor Brian, I have to do that second service like that. They didn't spill over the edge. These are just, at the end of the service, um, please feel free to come up and just grab a few. There are some out at the Connection Center, and uh, it's always available for you to serve and love God that much more, right? Um, today, after second hour, just want you first service folks to please be praying. There's a couple of folks getting baptized today after second hour. I don't know, last Sunday, whoo. Last Sunday, seven people gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized. When we say people are getting baptized, it's not just uh, a religious ritual or just something that we do. This is a, this is a marker. This is like throwing our, our, our flag into the ground saying, I'm giving my whole life to Jesus. So these people have accepted Christ into their life. And so they just want to be obedient as we teach you know, the word of God. He wants us to be baptized. It's something we get to do as an adult. Jesus did that when he was 30 years old. John the Baptist let him down into the water at the Jordan River when Jesus came up out of the water. It was such a crystal clear picture of his death in three years. They were gonna put his body in the tomb and then on the third day he would arise so that we could have eternal life, we could have abundant life here. And so that's, it's all about life change. And if you wanna do that, please, you can find uh, one of our pastors after the service or at the connection point or at the card and the seat back in front of you. You can say, hey, I would love to be baptized. Um, have somebody call me and we will do our best to follow up on that. Um, last thing I just want to mention before we get into Matthew 1, 18 to 25 is um, we are just always praying, Lord, what's the next step you want us to take as a church so that we can stay in step with you? Does that make sense? So we don't want to run too far ahead of God at the same time. We don't want to lag behind and miss something that God is doing. So I'm so grateful that 
for your financial gift over the years that you've given, God has just made a way for us to completely remodel our Mission Kids Department, and it is awesome. And then we have uh, remodeled all of our student ministries, our junior high, high school, and young adults behind the building here. So the next step we um, just been praying about and kind of putting together is this, uh, we're calling this the pavilion. And it's just, of course, right outside here. And the reason for this, it's not so much about the structure, it's about what it represents. And what this represents is time to connect with people. Would you agree in the OC? We're just really busy. We got to go. We got to stay here. We got to go. We got to move. We got things to do. We got schedules to keep. And sometimes that can creep into the church. Praise God, I love that you're here. Um, I'd like you to stay like for another hour instead of the second service. But um, if you can't do that, that's okay. But I know sometimes we got to move on. We got things to go to. But this area we're calling the pavilion. It's a park area for the kids to play, hang out. And then, of course, uh, outside here, um, there's a uh, structure. Kind of like we want to kind of design it like the spectrum. It kind of feels like you're inside, but you're outdoors. Beautiful SoCal, right? So this is something that we want to do. The cost on this is right around $300,000. And we're just asking for a special year-end gift to Mission Vale Christian Church. This will be above and beyond uh, what you're giving, which we're so grateful for. But I just want you to know that ministry and people and heart is the reason we want to do all this. So you can just give online or you can give um, outside here. The checks there are, are, if you want to give by check or cash, there's um, boxes always here on Sunday. And we just thank God for the heart and the generosity and we're just trusting God for this, right? All right. In Isaiah 9, 6, 700 years before Jesus even came on the scene and was born, he wrote these words, for unto us a child is given. For unto us a child is born. His name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And they shall call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Those words that were spoken 700 years before Jesus, even here, was here on the scene, rings forth even today. Aren't aren't we looking for peace? Aren't we looking for something wonderful? Aren't we looking for that mighty God, that presence of God that he so gives us freely because of a free gift of his son Jesus? And sometimes it's hard to find that. Because we have our own picture in our mind of what we think life ought to be. Have you ever had a picture in your mind of an event or something in your life or a day or the future? Have you had a picture in your mind of what this is what life is going to be like? Anyone here? When my kids were little, I have two boys, uh, Michael and Jonathan, when they were little, uh, we decided to take one of my favorite places to go. I think it's because when I was little, my parents had a a cabin up in Big Bear. So we'd go up there all the time. And so um, I thought, we're going to take the kids up there. And I had a picture in my mind. I had a vision of what it was going to be like. At the time, I had a big uh, Chevy Avalanche truck, 4x4. It was lifted. It was big. It was heavy. It was really cool. And so we had the golden retriever in the back seat. My kids were there, and um, Laura was sitting next to me in the front seat. And so as we made our way up, it was the perfect scenario. It started snowing. It was so much fun. It was so awesome. So I just let the uh, sunroof come back, you know, electronically just came back, and the snow was coming through, and we didn't have to put chains on because I had these big tires. So we made our way all the way up to Big Bear, and so the next day we were going to go skiing. Now, I had in my mind what it was going to be like when we went skiing as a family. We were going to do this as a family. 
and you're going to like it. So my youngest, Jonathan, had never skied before, so we had these lessons. We, we looked up, I don't know if you've been to Big Bear before, when you go up to you know, get your tickets and everything, they have you know, private lessons and group lessons, you know, $5,000 for a private lesson. I'm like, no, we're not doing lessons. I'll teach my kids how to ski. I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so in my mind, I had, this is, this is the way it's going to go. We're all going to go up the ski lift, and we did that even on the intermediate run. And so I had taught Jonathan pizza. You point your toes in when you get a little, going a little fast and, and you won't fall because you're, 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 you're guiding yourself and you can slow down. This is how you do it. It's pretty easy, right? And, and as we're getting up, I've noticed some of these young kids, like, dude, they are like snowboarding, skiing, and like, they just zoom, zoom, you know? And I just had in my mind that any of these kids that would get close to me or my family, I just stick my pole out, boom, right there. Just nail these kids, right? I didn't do that, but I had in my mind, that's what I want to do. So we start going down the hill and everything is, everything is going according to plan. And all of a sudden, Jonathan drops his poles and he loses his way. And he is screaming, screaming down the hill, down the intermediate hill. And he, he nails this lady, hits her right where she's crossing over. And they both, skis go everywhere. It is a nightmare. Michael is like having the best time ever he's going down. Lori gets down and she says, you know what? I think I've had enough of this. I don't think Jonathan really likes this. So we're going to go to the lodge. Jonathan, I'll go to the lodge and have hot chocolate. No, this is not the vision. This is not the way I pictured it. I don't know if you've had a picture in your mind about, and someday we're going to get married. Someday I am going to go to the best school. I'm going to work and work and work, get the grades. I'm going to get the resume. I am going to go. I know where I want to go. And I know that someday when I get married, someday we're going to have kids and we're going to live high on a hill and we're going to raise goats and everything's just going to be wonderful. We're going to live in this wonderful place and I have a picture in my mind. Or maybe some of us, when we gave our life to Christ, we had a picture what it was going to be like to walk with the Lord. When I first gave my life to Jesus, man, it was on a Wednesday night. All I knew is I met Jesus. He completely changed my whole life, started the process. And I remember waking up the next day and going to church for the very first time on Sunday, which I was really afraid of going to church, church people and weirdness, kind of religious stuff, because I hadn't grown up that way. And I had a picture in my mind of what it was going to be like to walk with Jesus. It was always going to be like that Wednesday night. That, that first time that you meet Christ, that first time that you really feel like, man, God, you are speaking to my heart, and I just want to give everything. Do you remember that moment? I thought Christianity and following Jesus was going to be always like that. And then about six months into it, man, all the pressure and temptation, the enemy was just knocking on my door, I mean, really hard with stuff, and it was, just, it was, just, it was harder than I thought at moments to follow Jesus, and no longer in the picture in my mind was what I thought it was going to be. Or maybe you had a picture in your mind about someday, you know, we're going to have kids. And you find out that you're not able to have children. Or maybe you thought, we'll adopt. And it's just not working. So here's a question I have, because we probably all have had that moment of the picture in our mind. Where did you get that picture from? Where did it come from? 
Sometimes those pictures can come out of fear. Something that happened to us, oh, I'll never let that happen, so I'm going down this path. You with me? Or something that traumatically happened to us, and that will never happen again, and so therefore I have my, in my mind a picture, and this is the path I'm going to go. And often what we do is we leave God out. Hence, we open our Bibles now to the Christmas story. So we have to remember when the Christmas story, which I want to read in just a moment, that Jesus was born into conflict. He was born into a King Herod that wanted to destroy him. There were forces already working against Jesus before he was even born. Now, in the first 17 verses of Matthew, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to chapter 1. If you have your smartphone, you can open up the first 17 verses. We have three sets of 14 generations. And we're not going to read all those names for the sake of time. But I just wanted to make mention that it's very, very important. All those people that are mentioned in those generations before Jesus was ever here was a prelude to the fact that he, the son of God, would be born into the world that he created. And God wanted us to know because I haven't seen Jesus I haven't physically seen him. I haven't audibly heard his voice, but I know that he's alive. I know he's alive because this book says so, but because even more so, he has changed my life. I tried to change my life and I couldn't do that. So I know he's alive. But there are people who live in our world who don't believe that. And so how would we help somebody to see Jesus is much different than a good teacher. He's much different than a prophet. He's much different than just another religious leader he's so different he is god in flesh he is the messiah he is the son of god he is god in the triune father son and holy spirit and the reason that we know that is because those first 17 verses three sets of 14 generations every single family there that's mentioned was purposed by god and protected by god the first set is from abraham all the way to David. Abraham and Sarah were the first Jewish people and then all the way to King David. Then there was the next set of generation, 14, from Babylon. The captivity, the people, the Jewish people were in captivity in Babylon to the exile. And then the last set was up until the birth of Jesus. It's so important that we as believers understand why God did what he did and how special it is to us That we know, we know, we know, we know, we know that Jesus is real and he's alive. Because all these generations, all those thousands of years, God always protected the nation of Israel. He had to. Because God is a promise keeper. And he said, I will bring forth the Messiah. We just read that in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7. It was promised that Jesus would be born to earth. The Messiah would come to earth to save all of humanity if we choose to step into relationship with him. So it's so important that we see the significance that every person, every single one, is valuable to God. You and I here are valuable to him. And so all those generations, it's just another way that God says, I love you and I have a purpose and plan for you. Now, let's get to the good stuff. I love the Christmas story. I never get tired of reading this. I would be honest with you, as a pastor, sometimes I struggle with how in the world do you teach on the same passage every single year and come up with something different? And you know what the Lord spoke to me? He says, my word never changes. It'll never, ever, ever change, but you're different. 
So I hear the Christmas story in a different place because I'm different. Does that make sense? So I really want us to dig into this with, I'm different than I was last year. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's an open door to be a little bit more authentic and more real and not be afraid of somebody to hear my weaknesses and t- try and take advantage of that. All in the same sense, I feel like because I've been through so much last year that God, you have built a strength in me that the devil, I hope the devil even passes by MVCC because you and I have been so strong walking in the Lord. Does that make sense? So let's read Matthew chapter one together. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He was a good, good man. He followed God with all his heart and did not want to disgrace her publicly. That's how we know he was honorable. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you, Joseph, you, righteous man, man of God, trying to do the right thing, following me, you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Aren't you glad for that? And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Wow. There is so much in here. I like to read in between the lines when I read the Bible because I really want to know what was going through the mind of Joseph. You ever, I'm sure you've wondered that. It didn't just, oh, okay, cool. She got conceived. She probably didn't have you know relationship before. You know, No problem. No problem at all. I got you. I got, I got this. You and I are one. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. She's conceived. She's going to have a child and she's never had relations with a man. Hold on. What is going on here? But before we get to that, I just want to just fixate on one thing, and that is the word insignificant. It may sound weird. What are we talking about here, insignificant? I love the fact that God chooses insignificant people in the eyes of society to do something great with them. Mary and Joseph were peasant people. They were common people. They grew up in a little town. Nobody really knew them other than people in that little town, that little village. And yet God saw something in them. He saw their heart. He saw their humility. He saw the fact that, of course, Mary and Joseph weren't perfect. Mary, when she cries out in song, which is a whole other message, that she gives praise to God and she realizes, my God, my Savior. She was recognizing, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner just like anyone else. But there was a degree of, 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 of commitment and devotion that they had that I don't believe we will ever see in our lifetime. They loved God with all their heart. They loved him. They followed him. And Mary and Joseph were chosen. Now, I just just want to step back here and say, in the mind of Joseph, in his mind, 
He was going to do the right thing. The law was very specific about this. Adultery was a huge deal back in the day. It was according to the law. You, not only did you not do this, but the woman was to be stoned to death. I mean, pretty harsh stuff. So Jesus, or Joseph wanted what to divorce her quietly to not bring her any shame. Do you see this? His humility, even though he didn't want to do this, in his mind, he had a picture in his mind. Are you with me? I'm sure Mary and Joseph had a picture of the wedding day. Back in the day when they got engaged, it was a year-long engagement. And then when they got married, the actual ceremony was seven days, six to seven days. And then after that, they took an entire year for the honeymoon. This is like a big deal. I'm sure that Mary had in her mind, she had the picture, her wedding day, her life. Joseph had a picture in his mind. And now it seems like that picture is shattered and everything is scattered. I don't know. It doesn't say this in the text, but I just have a little part of me just wonders if Joseph thought something like, why didn't you tell me up front that this was going to happen? Why did I have to go through the fact that I'm going to have to divorce her? This is not of God. This is not the way, this is not the, way the picture was supposed to be. God, why didn't you just tell me up front? I don't know if Joseph had that thought. Couldn't you tell me months ago? Ever felt that way with God? Why did I have to go through this? Why couldn't you just do it this way? Or if you told me here, I wouldn't have had to go through that. And what we may miss, family, brothers and sisters, is we may have to go through something because he wants to get us to a place to become more like him. Our character, our honor, our integrity, who we are as a, as a man or woman of God. And we may have to go through some suffering or heartache or I don't like this picture, God. This isn't the way I pictured it. And we may have to go through the divorce or go through separation or lose our business or people backstab you in the back and people that you trusted or your kids don't talk to you forever and haven't talked to you for years. And God, why? This isn't what I pictured. Why do I have to go through this, God? Why couldn't you just tell me that this is the way it was going to happen? Because I want you to depend on me. You must, I must teach you how to totally depend on me. No reservations, total trust. And if you don't go through the difficulties or the disappointments of the way you thought the picture was, it, it might be that I have so many pictures of my mind, in my mind of the way life is supposed to be, it is disrupting my ability to trust him. Because this is my picture. This is my life. This is the way I want it to go. The greatest hope given through the greatest disappointment that Joseph would ever know. Isn't that amazing? God had a different picture than I'm sure Joseph or Mary had. What if how God wants to use you and I isn't how we pictured it? Boy, I need this one. The problem really isn't my situation it's the picture. Right? Boy, I thought on that one, we'd all stand up and clap and cheer. But I know we're in the OC. I know we're kind of reserved. It's all right. That's why I, I love the Dodger Stadium. Someone hits a home run and people go nuts, spilling ice cream and pretzels and beer everywhere and high-fiving. I don't drink beer. But all that stuff's going on. At Angel Stadium, when someone hits a home run, oh, <laughs> Right? 
I just wish we were a little bit more like, I don't know what the word is, but just more like we're at Dodger Stadium, man. Just, yes, God, yes, Jesus. If you think God is speaking to you, it's okay. It's okay to give him like praise and honor. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. What he's saying is, I have a picture that's already drawn out for you, and I just need you to trust me, even though you don't see me. In verse 20, Joseph, don't be afraid. What's in her is from me. That's where the trust is. I don't like this. I don't like this picture. This isn't the way it was. I'm not really sure I fully believe this yet. I don't know if you had those thoughts. But what's in you, what God gave you, is from him. God has put something in your heart. God has put a vision, a dream, something from him that's in alignment with his word. It's from him. What he wants us to do is perfect. Our picture gets all messed up. When I started preaching, when I was a long time ago, when I was younger, when I started preaching, I was really, really insecure. And so um, this was about six years ago. I'm 38 now. So um, <laughs> I was really nervous about what do people think? What if they leave the church? Are they going to respond? You know, when you're young, you kind of have those, those kind of things, right? And now I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I'm just going to preach the truth. And if you don't like it, that's okay. And not that I don't care about you. But I remember thinking, gosh, maybe I should... Because I had someone give me some feedback. You're running around the stage so much and you're talking so fast and you're talking so loud and I can see those veins in your neck bulging out. It's like it distracts me from hearing the word. And I got insecure about that. So I thought maybe I should just stand and just read and maybe I should just have a microphone and maybe I should get one of those robes, you know? I thought maybe that'll just, maybe that will help because I don't want to be a distraction of the gospel. And every moment I practice to try and just stand, I couldn't help myself, but I'm moving. I'm like, plus I'm Italian, so I'm talking with my hands. The point being is you just got to be who God created you to be. You got to let God do what he's going to do. What he put in you is from him. And what he gave you might be something different than he gave me. But together we are working towards the gospel. That's what makes the church so wonderful. We're all on mission together. We're on the same mission to get as many people as we can to the cross. As many people as we can to get them to love Jesus and find him and surrender their life and become a disciple, a follower of his that is able to produce another person and invite someone and bring someone into that process. And we do that differently. If you're introvert, God uses you. You're more quiet. You don't like crowds. My wife is like that. She starts to tremble a little bit if there's like 500 people in a room. I said, I really want you to do Mother's Day sermon. You can do it. You can preach. I know you can. She goes, there's no way I can't get up on that stage. But God is using her in a totally different way than he's using me. I'm crazy. I'm a nut. I'm intense all the time. We were in the doctor's office about three weeks ago and I had a pad of uh, paper and I had all these questions for the doctor. And I asked my questions and I'm asking my questions I felt myself just intense about everything. And when we left the doctor's office, she says, do you have to be so intense with the doctor? He's not going to want to treat me anymore. I don't know how else to do it. This is just me. (laughs) What he gave you is inside of you. I tell you what, what gets us going as pastors and leaders is when you come to us and say, 
Man, God's put something in my heart. Can I lead this? Can I do this for God? Can we reach out and do this? Can we be a part of our community and help people? God has given me a heart for this, and God gave me a heart for that. We don't want to say, hey, if it's in your schedule, could you serve God? Could you? We need somebody to fill this position. It's always better when it comes from you. And if you're thinking about something a lot, there's a burden in your heart, I mean, a good burden to help somebody or start a ministry, man, that's from, that could be from God. And if that's happening, we want you to talk to us because our role here is to help put the tools in your hand and we're all doing ministry together, right? One of our guys tragically, just tragically lost his wife to cancer. And rather than just sitting and just just wallowing and never ever doing anything and God, I just, I, I'm done with you. I hate this. I, this is not the picture I had in my mind. This is not the way I thought life was going to be. After some time of grief and recovery and grabbing onto God with everything he's got, now he asked, hey, could I do a grief group here at Missionville Christian Church? Dave, man, could you stand for just a moment? Just let everyone, I just want anyone to see, everyone to see. This is, yeah, it's all him, man. The reason that I bring this up is if you have grief today of any kind of loss, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. We, we want to provide some help in a space that we can be real and we can get more connected to God because we're getting more real about what we really heard about. I only bring that up not to lift Dave up, but the God that put that in Dave's heart. But God's got something for you to do. He does. Powerful church, a strengthened church, a church that's on the move, moving forward, doing great things for God is not because the pastor is a great pastor. I'm a little pastor. I've only got little capacity. It's your, you can be great in God because we're doing it together. Didn't Jesus say, he said, you will do greater works than I. He said that, remember? And what that meant was together we get to do even more than Jesus did. The impact of so many people when we're really unified together. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm going to reach out to somebody else. And God, you put something in my heart. I'm not going to be silent about it. I'm going to go with what you gave me. I'm going to trust. And I know the pastors here are behind me. And they want success. And they want me to be fulfilled. And I'm just going to launch out and do what you told me to do in the parameters, God, at MVCC the way you gave me. That's a winning church. That's a powerful church. That's an impactful church. What I see is that Joseph and Mary, even though it may have taken a moment for Joseph to get there, yes, I believe. I will trust. And on their way, they went. And of course, the story, everybody knows there was no room for Jesus to be born. No room? For the son of God? I mean, God, you could have put a five-star cave in this particular area. You could have set that all up and let in a manger, a cave, son of God? Which leads to the second thing that I see here, impossible. You think you're insignificant? You're not. You think you're not valuable? You are. You think because this happened or you've done this in your life, God can use anyone and anything. There is nothing, I am a firm believer, there is nothing that is wasted for God. And the second thing I see here, he is the God of the impossible. Man, I need this today. I need encouragement from you. I need prayers because I, 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 I've been praying so much for healing and miracles and power to come over our city. 
And one of the reasons Jesus didn't do miracles or didn't show his power or his glory in certain cities is because they didn't have faith. God is looking for faith. Not to say that God is going to do everything we ask the way we want it. I know I have a picture in my mind. My wife's going to be totally healed. Cancer's going to be gone. My family's going to look this way. And I, I, I'm praying for that picture, but I've got to be humble enough and trustworthy enough to know that this may not be the way the picture is going to come out. And that's where I have to trust God. You are the God of the impossible. What seems impossible for man, what seems impossible for doctors, I don't, just because a doctor gives a diagnosis doesn't mean that's the final word. How many stories have we heard of people who have gotten healed? God did the amazing, went back and looked at all the charts and they said, we can't believe this. Or they said, oh yeah, you got two years to leave. That was 15 years ago. How come? Because you took the medicine. Medicine's good. Medicine's good. God can use that stuff. But I got people praying for me and I know the great physician and he has touched my life. God can do the impossible. If he could bring the immaculate conception If God can do all that through his Holy Spirit, what can he do for you? What can he do for me, for us? You know, I love the song, even when I don't see him, you're working. You know that song that we sing? I gotta be honest. There are some times, I don't know. Because I don't see you working, God, it feels like you're not there. I don't understand what you're doing. But I got to remember Just like Joseph had the dream, he had an encounter with God. We have an encounter with the word. We can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. God is with you. Say it with me. God is with me. One, two, three. God is with me. We cannot go by what we see. God, I don't see you're working, so therefore you're not there. No, it's not true. God is there working. In John chapter 10, he reminded those who hear my voice, you don't always need to see me. Philip One of the followers of Jesus, with probably, in my opinion, probably hundreds of people at different times following Jesus on these long, dusty roads. That meant lots of time that Jesus had to talk and to teach and to listen to his disciples. Philip, in my opinion, was in the back row, and he saw Jesus up front, maybe 20 yards, and he said, I'm I'm so ready now to see God. He's always, I thought in his mind, he's always talking about the Father. He's always talking about God, and he made his way, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, excuse me. And he gets up, taps Jesus on the back of the shoulder and says, Jesus, you've been talking about the Father all the time. Show us the Father. And Jesus stops, put his hands on his shoulder of Philip, and he says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Everything we need is found in Jesus. We'll see the Father. We will see God in all of his glory. But Jesus has revealed himself specially to you. He's with you on your bad day, on your worst day. He's with you on your best day. He's with you when you're married. He's with you on the divorce. He's with you when you're employed. He's with you when you're unemployed. He's with you when you're healthy. He's with you when you're sick. He's with you when you made all the money. He's with you when you lost everything. He's with you when you had all those friends. And he's with you when you're friendless. It's just who he is. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. That's what Joseph and Mary needed to know. You're with me. I know Joseph. I know that God is with you. Thank you for the account that Matthew wrote this down. It's so important for us to know that God is the God not only of the insignificant use of others, but he's so powerful that he can do the amazing, he can do the impossible. 
And the last one that I want to just key in on here is he's personal. I, I tried to make three eyes. Insignificant and impossible. I, I, for the life of me, I was trying to get an eye. I couldn't find it. But I just, no other way to say it, God gets up close and personal with us. Amen. That's the Christmas story. Nothing wrong with presents and Santa Claus and trees and lights and getting together as family and having parties and food and all that stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But we know the real reason of why we do those things. It's because God gets up close and personal with us. My question to all of us has he gotten personal with you? Have you allowed him to get personal? Not just, well, I go to church. Well, I read a few scriptures. I went to church as a kid. My grandfather was a pastor. And I just, I remember some Bible verses as a kid. I went to a Christian school. That's great. I just want to know, have you met him? Have you humbled yourself and fell to your knees and say, God, oh God, oh God, I need you. And that doesn't stop one time when we repent and give our life to Jesus. That's an ongoing daily thing. You know what I'm learning? The faster that I can get to my knees, the better I'm going to be. When I try and fight it and work through it, and I got a picture in my mind, and I am on a fast track, and I'm type A personality. I have to be careful, because when I have a picture in my mind, I'm going for it, and I'm not going to stop. And God has a gentle way of saying, stop. I know what you're doing. I know the picture you have in your mind. But Mike, I have something better for you. Amen. And along the way, along the way, it may be difficult because I have to abandon my picture and trust someone I don't see. I got a letter in the mail mm, about three months ago. Your license, driver's license, from the wonderful, as soon as I saw DMV, my heart sank. <laughs> Said, your license needs to be renewed. So I had three things I needed to do when I got there. The first thing I asked is, do I have to take that test? <laughs> have you taken the test? <laughs> I remember taking it when I was 16. Studied and studied and studied. I don't know if I could pass that test now. I've been driving for 18 years. And I thought, I can't pass that test. Thankfully, I didn't have to take the test. I just needed an eye, eye chart exam and I need to sign some documents and I'm just going to redo a, a picture and then I get my license. I had an appointment. I waited three months to have an appointment. Have you ever gone to the DMV just to get your stuff done? It's like cattle car. It's just everybody's in this room. It's hot. Everybody's sweaty. Nobody wants to be there. And the staff doesn't even like working there. <laughs> so even with my appointment, I had a picture in my mind. I'm going to go to this window, going to sign the paper, going to do the eye exam, and they're going to, okay, give me my temporary license, and then I'll get one in the mail. I'm out of here in eight minutes. From that window to this window to this window to this window. And every time I go, I'm starting to tremble because I'm thinking, they're going to make me take that test. And I haven't read anything. It didn't happen. But what I didn't realize is, I guess because things that our family's walking through right now, I started to feel as I was standing in the fourth time I had to be in line, I was starting to feel like I've only had this one other time in my life years ago, I started to feel like I was having a panic attack. 
it just was crowded, and I felt like, and I just, and I realized that in the testing area, when I had to walk into that area, it was the final destination. And my father, six months before he died, he was there at the DMV. I took him to get his license renewed. And he passed the test. But I didn't realize what was happening. That, that grief and the sorrow and loss. I don't know, maybe it's because it's Christmas time. I just miss my dad. I miss picking up the phone and calling him. And I had to hold back. I was starting to tears in my eyes and I just God get me through the line 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 and as soon as I got through and made it out of there I just bawled I just got into my car and I lost it the reason that I bring that up is that wasn't the picture in my mind because I thought when I became Christian you don't get sad like that you don't have moments of feeling depressed you don't have moments of feeling like there's a loss of hope Oh, I know the great hope, but in everyday stuff, I feel like I've lost some hope. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I only bring that up to say this. God is personal with us. And that's why Jesus came. He grew up. He died on a cross. Why? Because he loves you and me. And then he came back to life on the third day. You know, for anything else, for me coming to this place every single Sunday... To hear that and be reminded of that every week, I need that. Because it helps me when I'm at the DMV. It helps me when I'm in class. It helps me when I'm at a job, which I thankfully love my job. I love what I get to do. But if, 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 if anyone here, maybe just, I hate going to work. Why am I here? I hate being in this marriage. I hate that I'm still single. God understands. And he's working even when we don't see him. What do, we, what do we do as a result of this as we close? Number one is this. Good question for me. I hope it is for you. Are we living in a scene that we did not picture? Probably for most of us, yes. And the next one. Where did we get our picture from? These are hard questions, I realize, but I'm asking us to dig down deep and search. Maybe I've got this picture that I'm striving for in my life and it feels like I never get there because I'm not trusting who I don't see, but I trust his word. And the next one, even when we don't see him, believe him. That's the action point. That's the main thing here today. Joseph and Mary trusted. They trusted. Mary didn't even see Jesus yet, and she acknowledged she needed a savior. She acknowledged God. She acknowledged what was happening in her and broke out in praise. And then, of course, you know, as a Christmas story goes, they traveled and they traveled and traveled, and it seemed like everywhere they turned, it came up empty in the world's eyes. But in God's plan, even though they may have had a picture, in God's plan, everything's going according to plan. Aren't you glad for that? Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church.